Today on the Almond Journey podcast. From our point of view, a healthier Californian industry with a good price is a direct benefit to our industry. So we're certainly all ears about helping where we can. We talk about the collaboration between California and Australian almond growers, including how to deal with a new pest to California orchards, the Carpophilus beetle. Welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley, virtually in most cases, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance this almond industry. Today, we rewind the clock a couple months back to the Almond Conference 2023, where I sat down with Almond Board of Australia CEO, Tim Jackson, as well as Lauren Fan, Senior Specialist of Pest Management at the Almond Board of California. Uh, Tim was there in Sacramento enjoying his very first Almond Conference, and I had the chance to talk to him about some of the similarities and differences between almond production in California and in Australia. Also, I wanted to ask him about this pest that recently was found in California orchards. Carpophilus truncatus. This is an insect pest that Australian producers have unfortunately had to try to manage for about a decade or so, uh, and one that just popped up on the radar in California this past year. So a lot for us to learn from him on that. Joining us as well on that topic is Lauren Fan, who can share what we know currently about the pest in California and what the industry is planning to do to try to get ahead of things there. First, though, I asked Tim to give us a bit of an overview of almond production in Australia, starting with where in the country geographically the almond production is concentrated. And fun fact, it's on the opposite coast as it is in the United States. So on their east coast. We operate uh, largely in the uh, what's called the Murray-Darling Basin, which is inland from the east coast, um, and it incorporates a number of rivers. Uh, the growing area is almost like California horizontally. It goes across three states, uh, New South Wales, Victoria, uh, through to Adelaide, largely following the Murray River. Very cool. Interesting. I'd love to come visit that someday. Anytime. Uh, more than welcome. As you've been here this week and, and probably interacting with growers from California, uh, what have you noticed about either the similarities or the differences between the, the issues that they are struggling with versus those in Australia are wrestling with? Uh a lot of the same issues, the same struggles around low prices. So California, you know, dictate pricing. So if low pricing is is, is causing an issue in, in California, it's the same at home. And also on farm, we've got some real issues around the cost of production um, with the low pricing. So the same challenges that growers are facing here, we're facing at home. And then on top of that, we've had varroa arrive Varroa mites arrived in Australia 18 months ago. So uh, two years ago, we couldn't get enough bees to our orchard. So our crop was down 34%, largest reduction we'd ever had in a crop estimate. And then uh, we've also just had some regulatory uh, issues around water availability and there is potentially uh, the amount of water available for irrigation might be reduced by up to a quarter. Oh, wow. So very, very similar issues uh, on the on the uh, kind of farm level pricing, uh, the price pretty equivalent there to what it is here. Yep. Yep. It's just a conversion. The one the one difference is that we live and die by the exchange rate between the US dollar 
and the Australian dollar. All our exports are done in US dollars. Um, and at the moment, the Australian dollar is pretty weak against the US dollar, so it provides a little bit of a buffer. If, for instance, I'll give you an example, is that if your dollar uh, strengthens against our dollar by one cent, that is 15 cents per kilo Australian dollars extra in the pocket of a grower. If it goes the other way and our dollar strengthens, it's the same the other way. And in the last fortnight, the Australian dollar has strengthened by three US cents, which has taken 45 cents per kilo off the grower return. Wow. That is substantial. And, and the varroa mite, so you hadn't had the varroa mite in Australia before a few years ago? No. So we, we were the last continent in the world without varroa mite. Uh, they discovered it in northern New South Wales in June 2022. So they've been trying to eradicate it. And only recently, probably two or three months ago, they gave up on eradication. And now we've moved to a transition to management, which will be, uh, it's a game changer. Because unlike the Californian industry, we grow arms across three states with three sets of rules, three sets of biosecurity departments. So trying to actually move bees across borders, because the varroa is in one state and not the other two, is causing significant issues. Wow. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I'd heard that uh, Australia is really, really strict on on kind of biosecurity on anything coming in, and so they've you know done a pretty good job of keeping it out for as long as they did. Yeah, they did. The the national response plan will spend 130 million dollars. First of all, trying to actually eradicate it, and now trying to transition to management, of which the industry, our industry, has contributed uh, upwards of eight million dollars into that. So it's a it's a combined thing. The industries pay, and the and the state agencies pay as well. Uh huh. And while we're talking, you know, pest management, I, I definitely want to talk about this Carpophilus beetle uh, that I understand you all have seen in Australia for around 10 years or so. Is that true? It just come from nowhere. We know that Carpophilus, they're just like in California, talking to stone fruit growers while I've been here. Carpophilus, there's different strains of Carpophilus and there's always been a Carpophilus in different industries, but it's always been perceived that it attacks fleshy fresh fruit. And 10 years ago, we found this new variety of Capophilus on our orchard. It grows in the ground uh, or lives in the ground um, and it attacked our crop um, and life's never been the same since. Hmm. And you don't know where, where it came from? Or? No, no, we're still stumped as to where it actually arrived. So it's not something that's been there forever. It just came from nowhere. Um, the beauty of growing, Tim, every year is a different challenge. Some live with us longer than others and certainly Capophilus had a huge impact on it. They are a ravenous beast and I've seen Capophilus beetle in a bin of almonds straight out of the hull and shallow, when we didn't know what was going on, they turned it into a bin of meal in no time. So they just destroy the product. Yikes. And I understand similar to the orange worm, they overwinter in mummy nuts? Yes, correct. So orchard hygiene is the, is the number one preventative measure. Uh, not cheap, but it's still perceived as the number one preventative measure around getting on top of Capophilus beetle in your, in your orchard. Okay, yeah. I suppose when it arrived, it, it very similar conditions to what you've experienced this year. We had a really wet season. Um, it was almost identical type of climactic conditions that that brought the Capophilus out in the first place. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder if there's correlation or causation there, but that is certainly interesting. And the ongoing challenge is that when you go through tough years like we're going at the moment is if you've got to spend extra money polling, taking mummies out of trees, out of every tree in every orchard, that's an expense. And if you're really on the edge of actually making a dollar, um, it's an expense that some people just can't afford. But the challenge with that is if you don't get rid of them, then your problem becomes your neighbor's problem as well. Absolutely. 
Well, Lauren, let's, let's bring you in here too. Um, I, I think most people listening probably know who you are, but go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, hi, I'm Lauren Fan. I'm the pest management specialist for the Almond Board of California. And uh, w- when did you start hearing this, this word Carpophilus? Yeah, it came up a few months ago where I got a call from Houston notifying me, Houston Wilson notifying me that, you know, he thinks that we might have a new pest and hopefully it's not, but he's going to send it out for identification. And it came back positive that it was the Carpophilus truncatus. So, you know, now we're we're looking at it and becoming more aware. And noticing that it's been found in several counties, so Merced, Stanislaus, Madera, and Kings County, so it's it's spreading. Yeah, and and so far, I imagine because it's so new that we probably haven't done any local research on things like uh, you know identification, monitoring, that sort of thing. Yeah, so there hasn't really been any work like research done yet because it was found during harvest. And so the researchers were, you know, not able to start a new project mid-harvest, but we're working with them for them to submit a proposal for us to be able to fund some research on some basic biology in California to see if that's similar as it is in Australia, because conditions could be, even though it's similar climate in some sense, it can always be a little different in the way that they reproduce, um, just being insects and, you know, doing some overwintering studies and seeing how we'll be able to manage there. And also talking with the Australian board and their researchers, they said that they have been able to find a pheromone to potentially use as a attract and kill strategy and a monitoring strategy. And so that's something that we're interested in. We've been talking with the Australian board to work together to do a monitoring of the Carpophilus beetle with this um, research trial of pheromone that they have. Okay. And is this something that whole split sprays can help with as well or not in this case? No. So it's it's very hard to get rid of. It seems to be more prolific in the in the wetter, more humid uh, conditions, but it's certainly something that uh, comes to life just before harvest. When the whole split does happen, that, that's when the Kapophilus finds its way in. And predominantly, we find that the Kapophilus is far more attracted to nonpareil because of the softer shell than the harder shell. So most of the damage is appearing in our premium product. But um, yeah, it's an ongoing battle. Yeah. And I had read that there's a chance Carpophilus has been in the US for for a few years now, but maybe we were mistaking the damage for another pest. Is it, does it look a lot like uh, damage from other pests? It, it certainly does. It's um, Probably the biggest difference between Kapophilus and the others is not the drill. The drill hole that was being mentioned in, in different presentations we've had over the last couple of days is the same, but the, the difference with Kapophilus is that um, if you get a lot, it lets off a fair old smell. So if you've got Kapophilus in your almonds, you can ship them off and then you can have someone at the other end coming back saying there's a, there's a pretty stinky smell in your, in your almonds. Yeah, so it, it's a significant issue. Yeah. And uh, through improved sanitation in Australia, have you been able to, to minimize the damage or suppress the damage or is it, uh, is it still something you're looking for new ways to, to manage? A bit like what Lauren's explained there, as soon as we found it, <laughs> straight on to trying to research. And so we spent a lot of research on it thinking that it was a different type of Kapophilus and it was only after a certain amount of time we discovered that it was actually peculiar to almonds, that it wasn't 
uh, some of the more common ones that are used that are seen in stone fruit. Um, so that sort of set us back a little bit because we thought we were dealing with one thing and it was another. So developing a pheromone that actually attracted the right one was set back a little way. But um, under the research from Ag Victoria and through David Madge, who's been on this for nearly 10 years now, we think we're on the right track. But a bit like Orange Navel Worm here, um, by no means are we uh, well and truly past the winning post and getting on top of it. Yeah. And so do you all not have to deal with uh, navel orange worm in Australia? No. No. Capophilus is our orange navel worm. Yeah. Uh, Carob moth is our other major pest. Interesting. Well, Lauren, what else should we make sure growers know about this? Uh, in, there's a lot we don't know yet as an industry, given how new it is, but it certainly sounds like a major threat. Uh, what else should we make sure we mention on today's podcast about it? I think um, one of the biggest things that keeps being mentioned with the navel orange worm session and also now it's becoming more important is like really emphasizing winter sanitation. Um, I know it's it's going to be one of those things like, of course, we're trying, but we want to make sure and try to do our best to control the spread of this pest because we, we're not sure exactly if it is up and down all of California's growing region, but we do know it's in a large part. So, you know, wanting to do our best to help our neighbors is is helpful. Um, and then also letting everyone know, like, we're on top of it. We're working to get research involved, um, research projects going, and also trying to see how we can get other entities like the USDA and APHIS involved and CDFA to make sure that People are aware of this issue and making sure like this know we're on top of it to be as thorough as possible so it doesn't become a new pest of super significant importance of the new navel orange worm. Let's yeah, let's try and avoid that. So Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like unfortunately this was a year where people realize the risk of not, you know, fully doing winter sanitation because of I'm hearing, you know, 20% damage and um, how bad things can really get if that's not properly. But Tim, like you mentioned earlier, it's also something where as an industry, you know, it benefits everybody for the sanitation to happen properly. Sure. The other issue with Capophilus that I'd advise is that uh, once you've got it, that it's not only a grower problem. If hullers and shellers are taking in product with Capophilus, then there's a cleaning issue. You do not want a bin of Capophilus infested almonds in a warehouse. Um, so you need to be very strict around your transferring of the product and and when you fumigate. The sooner you can fumigate after hulling and shelling, the better off you're going to be and, and isolating that product. Um, in my previous life, it was one of the first things that we noticed is that you don't want to jeopardise a lot of product that's clean by having something come into your warehouse that's potentially not because it's not only an orchard pest, it becomes a storage pest as well. That's a really good point. Well, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, Richard's uh, collaboration over the years and in, in contribution to the global industry. I'm, I'm curious about the collaboration between the Alma Board of California and the Alma Board of Australia and, and how that helps kind of grow the pie for everybody. Yeah, for sure. So over the last three days, a lot of the problems and a lot of the challenges, whether it's in marketing or in R&D, are very similar. So a rising tide lifts all boats. So certainly happy to... Uh, collaborate wherever possible. We understand that there's some competitive tension and some real unease around where the market is at the moment with pricing. But from our point of view, a healthier Californian industry with a good price is a direct benefit to our industry. So we're certainly all ears about helping where we can. Let's, let's get rid of this uh, Carpophilus. Yeah, if you can get rid of it, that's the way to go. 
Well, thank you very much to Tim Jackson and to Lauren Fan for taking the time for this interview at TAC. Some critical information here, particularly on this pest that we certainly need to be watching for this coming season. University of California Cooperative Extension researchers Jalindra Rajal, Houston Wilson, and David Havilland have come out with some information on Carpophilus truncatus. I'll link to that website in the show notes, as well as some directions of what to do. If you suspect that you have the beetle in your orchard, the first thing would be to contact your local UC Cooperative Extension farm advisor. Again, we will link to that page in the show notes. We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work, either on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like Tim Jackson or Lauren Fan may spark a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of resilience, innovation, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by following or subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.